0: Hello and welcome to Unframed, conversations about the arts on CFCR 90.5 FM in Saskatoon and streaming live around the world at cfcr.ca. I'm your host Michael Peterson. In the studio with me tonight is Jenny Lynn Fife. She is one of three artists along with Mary Lynn Podiluck and Joan Thompson who are showing in Triatica at the Saskatchewan Craft Council Gallery currently. Thanks for joining me Jenny.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So before we get into the show too much, do you want to just, uh, for viewers, give a bit of the how long the show is on until and some of the details about when they can go see it?
1: For sure. Uh, The show is up in the Craft Council Gallery until January 7th, and it's a great exhibition that you can view um, anytime Monday through Saturday, 10 till 5 and till 8 o'clock on Thursdays.
0: Well, it's great. So, lots of opportunities for people to get out there and mm-hmm. see the show. So, this one is we've, I, I know you from before, we've shown your work at Void, but jewelry can be something that is shown less in gallery contexts around Saskatchewan sometimes. And so, it's nice to have that here. So, can you tell me a bit about how this show came about?
1: Well, the three of us, uh, we worked together at one point and we decided that we wanted to create a show that, explored jewelry as an art form. So primarily we're creating art jewelry, which is a different field within um, creating jewelry work. So our main focus was to create a dialogue surrounding jewelry and contemporary craft. And so we're exploring this medium in a way that we can be innovative and uh, approach it more artistically Really bringing our personal backgrounds into the work and finding an expressive voice through the medium.
0: So, when you're talking about art jewelry, how are you defining that sort of differently than what someone would consider traditional jewelry, I guess?
1: Right. So, art jewelry is a contemporary uh, movement that it has been around for a while, but we're really focusing on it in a way that uh, allows us to explore the medium. Um, being innovative and using some alternative materials. So while jewelry is typically a functional work, we have incorporated um, the artistic expression side uh, into the work.
0: And in terms of the exhibition itself and how it's hung, when I was walking through the gallery, it's less behind display cases and more hung on the wall like you might expect paintings or drawings to be
1: right so we're crossing between those uh, boundaries between art and craft and creating wearable art so we used the uh, frames as a way to kind of create that conversation and uh, bring people's attention to the pieces as art forms Um, and the title triadica it really connects to there being three of us in the show. Um, we also focused on three sort of unifying elements and also tied in the idea of a triadic color scheme. And so those frames on the walls, there's, um, three different colors we've chosen to use. One identifies each artist. So it helps people in the gallery space to really pinpoint who's created the work and, uh, kind of create that, Flow Throughout the space.
0: Well, and these are hand-painted frames. Is that right? Like oval frames yes. on the walls? Yes So very um, again that boundary between the handmade and then the crafted and yeah It's, it's an interesting take on that. I I hadn't seen that before
1: but. Right. Yeah, um, so we really wanted to kind of we have some work that's in display cases as well and um, with them on the wall kind of allows people to get closer to the work, which is a little different for a gallery setting.
0: Well, and definitely more spread out in spaced, you know, with a lot more breathing room than you'd see jewelry in a store or display case, right? Right. So that they're intended to be taken as individual objects, I assume.
1: Yes, exactly. Um, giving them some breathing room so that people can really get close to the work because there's a lot of detail and intricacy that under glass you wouldn't necessarily notice or be able to observe, there is a chance um, to meet with the exhibition coordinators and they'll take the pieces down for people to try on and uh, really kind of have that connection with the work.
0: So that goes sort of back to that wearable. And I guess one of my questions would be, are all the pieces in the show intended to be worn then? Or are some of them sort of more sculptural in focus?
1: Well, that's actually something that we really did push into. So some of the work... um, is not wearable, they're more sculptural. And so in my case, I have created one hollowware piece, so a more sculptural object. Um, and within that piece, I was using architectural elements as well as natural forms to inspire the work. And from there, stemmed uh, to create some jewelry pieces based on certain design elements and composition.
0: So it's sort of the hollow where form came first and so inspired some of the jewelry that came exactly. after? Exactly, okay. yeah. Allowing it to really take that sort of sculptural focus but still using jewelry techniques in terms of the silversmithing and the other elements, is that Exactly, right? yes. Because this is, before I got to know yourself and Mary Lynn, something that I didn't know very well, in terms of how jewelry is made when it's still handmade. Can you take us a bit of through that process a bit of what that's like working with the silver or other materials?
1: For sure. Uh, so for myself, I tend to start with a lot of sketches and from there, translate them into um, paper templates if I need to. And so th- through the design process, I'm working with sheet metal, and I'll lay out a design with an exacto blade to translate the sketch. Um, And then through a piercing technique, the pieces are cut out and filed and sanded. And then we get to have a lot of fun with soldering. So it's quite a technical process, but one that um, allows us to create three-dimensional forms in a variety of ways. Hmm. So we can assemble those pieces of metal sculpturally or well, yeah, just giving them a three-dimensional form through various means we can hammer them or roll them through a rolling mill.
0: Then when you're cutting this out of using the exacto knife, you're trying to envision how that will then fold or roll into a, a smaller object. or am I totally off on that?
1: Well, the exacto blade I use just to um, trace my design so it scribes the metal. And it gives me an outline to follow when I'm actually cutting and sawing through the metal. So the sawing process removes um, the negative spaces, I guess, and then you're left with a piece that could be... So for example, in some of my elements in the show, they've um, translated into earrings or elements within a, a neck piece. And so once I've cut those pieces out, I can form them over a stake with a hammer, um, giving them some three-dimensional form, and then I can solder those together to create an overall piece, if that makes sense.
0: (laughs) Sure, sure. It's a a very, like you say, technical process. Mm -hmm. And and so you and Mary Lynn both learned this at school, is that correct? At NASCAD when you were there? Okay. Yeah. So... I am interested what that process is like because this is something that isn't taught in very many places but something very specialized too. So when like when you were going to school what was it that sort of drew you to jewelry or did you know going in that that's what you wanted?
1: Well, it's actually interesting. When I was applying to college and uni- university I actually was looking at jewelry programs and textiles. And I pursued the textiles and I completed my major in that program in a program uh, At Sheridan College in Ontario and then I transferred to NASCAD University in Halifax to complete that degree and I started taking some electives in the jewelry field because I did have that interest and as I Continued to take some courses. I got hooked. (laughs) Okay
0: Uh, because you're, you're mentioning textiles because some of your jewelry does incorporate some textile elements, yes. correct? Okay, yeah. and so that's still sort of moving back to that earlier days.
1: Yes, so I'm drawing a lot on my background in textiles. I completed an independent study while I was at school um, within jewelry and in- integrating those textile elements. And that's something I explored in this show as well, um, drawing on those contrasting materials and trying to create a conversation between their inherent qualities. So while textiles has a very um, fluid or pliable nature and metal is very rigid, trying to kind of play with that and create some juxtaposition in the material and uh, so in some pieces the threads that I've used take on the more um, rigid-like form. They they almost appear to take on a... They create the tension within the piece, and the, the metal is kind of reacting to it visually.
0: Are you trying to have the metal have somewhat of a fluid feel to it then at that point to mirror the fabric, or is it staying sort of that hard resist?
1: Um, a little bit of both. So the metal, by nature maintains that rigidity but the way I've um, treated it, either through forming it um, by hammering, it gets a softer sort of feel and then um, there are threads in some of the, the pieces that, uh, for example, in a set of earrings called tot, the threads are sort of pulling at the edge of that curved metal. So it gives the appearance of the textile having influence over it. Interesting. And in another case, by contrast, there's a set of earrings called Nestle. These threads have been used to really trace and extend the metal contour, giving it a very soft kind of uh, feeling. So playing with the textile in a way to create a contrast, I guess.
0: When I took printmaking in school, materials were always a consideration, you know, paper costs and everything else mm-hmm. get up there. But I'm wondering what it's like to be working with silver as an undergrad. That must be, I'm assuming, challenging. Or is the cost a factor when you're doing that? Or is it, are you using different materials in school?
1: In school, we started with some... Copper for samples, but we really were to jump right in with the silver end of it Okay, so at first it is a bit intimidating because there is that inherent value that you're learning with and sometimes you run into uh, issues with that, but It's quite An interesting material to work with. Um it has a lot of interesting properties. So those things you learn about as you're working with them, especially, I guess, while you're soldering, that's the riskiest sort of stage where by applying heat to the metal, you risk melting it. So you learn where that boundary is where, um, while you're watching, you use a flux on the metal to it acts as an indicator as to how hot the metal is getting. And so it goes through different stages as the metal heats up and you can watch that and then apply your solder and then continue to heat and watch what's happening in the color of things and gives an indication of when the solder will actually flow. So, um, it's quite an, I guess, an interesting, um, process to learn about.
0: Well, sure. And again, back to that technical side. And as a student, really learning to listen to and see those indicators so that you aren't... Once, If you've melted metal, can you get it back or have you damaged the silver if you overheat it?
1: If you end up running into the issue where it has melted, then um, it's still reusable. You can melt it down. We learned how to cast ingots um, and from that ingot you can roll it down into sheet or draw it down into wire so it, it it can be recycled with some newer material as well.
0: I guess the other question I'd have I know in terms of printmaking how it's often a social a practice you're spending time conceptualizing an image but a lot of the actual printing is a technical process and when I've had Carol Epp or other ceramic artists on the show they've talked about something similar in ceramics and how even in throughout Canada, there's a strong ceramics community, people to draw on. I'm wondering if jewelry is similar or if it's, I guess it certainly depends on the artist, but is it a social practice or is there a community that you're drawing on as you're doing this?
1: Well, when Marilyn Lynn Podoluck and myself were at NASCAD University, there was very much a social um, community. Um, it was very it was a great opportunity to learn there. We had a lot of artists that were learning alongside, and we could ask for, um, advice or, you know, insight into different techniques. The professors were very supportive. Um, and that's something that I've just moved to Saskatoon about three years ago. So, um, kind of creating those connections with different people in the community it's been great to make those connections here
0: well and along that line too i'm wondering it's great you have this opportunity to show at the craft council and i know when i've spoken with mary lynn she's shown in similar ways elsewhere in terms of presenting art jewelry Mm -hmm. but i'm assuming that that's not always the case and so i'm wondering if there's is there a play then in terms of how you're displaying and selling the work when you're moving between different spaces Do you sometimes have to display it more traditionally as jewelry if you're going to a sale? Or is it, are you doing more of these type of gallery shows?
1: I guess we sort of tailor our work to the particular show or exhibition. So this in particular at the Craft Council gave us the opportunity to be more explorative and innovative with our approach. So the works tend to be um, a little more sculptural and um, kind of push those boundaries, I guess. Whereas when we're producing work for a craft show or a market, they tend to be maybe um, quieter pieces or ones that are definitely seen as wearable. we were supported through the uh, Saskatchewan Arts Board. Each of us had applied and received an independent artist program grant Great. to help us um, advance our uh, careers as jewelry artists.
0: So that gives you some time to really move into that exploratory phase. and
1: Exactly. Yes.
0: Well, along that line then, I'm wondering if you can tell us a bit, since Mary Lynn and Joan unfortunately weren't able to be here tonight, if you might be able to just talk briefly to their practices uh, mm-hmm. or what people might be able to expect to see from those artists.
1: Right. So within our show, we each created an individual body of work. Um, mine was focused on my experience in the outdoors and contrasting natural forms and organisms with architectural elements, specifically gothic architecture. And I titled my body of work, Excursions, to reflect on those experiences and observations made. Um, Mary Lynn Podluck, she, she's titled her body of work, Metaphors. And so she's really drawing on her background in linguistics and playing with alternative materials. So she was exploring the use of metal with resin and she was introducing silicone in this body of work, Uh, Joan Thompson, she draws on a lot of personal stories and titled her body of work narratives. So some of those narratives are rather humorous and others are very sentimental. And she was exploring uh, enameling techniques in her work.
0: And hers are, at least from to my eye, the most immediately recognizable in terms of the subject matter. They they are like leaves or other objects, often that you're seeing. Right. And so I guess that's building. That's part of that narrative. Uh, Mary Lynn's are the colorful pieces. I usually think of them as because these resins she often has bright colors in them. So, and you mentioned her background in linguistics and. I know when I've spoken with Mary Lynn before that it's it's interesting to hear how she's bringing that into a jewelry that's very, like you say, sculptural and in that metaphor realm, uh, much more structured than you might think of when you're thinking of something so uh, fleeting as sound or linguistic. So it's interesting to see how they work together. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the process like hanging the show? I'm assuming having three of you in there and it being a large space because the Craft Council Gallery is quite a large one. Had to be it had to be a challenge or time consuming. I'm guessing.
1: Yes. Well, we had an idea of how we wanted to approach the display, um, and we worked alongside the two exhibition coordinators at the Craft Council. Stefan Maya. Yes. Yes. Yeah, they were very helpful in getting this show put together. Um, so we had approached it in the sense that we wanted pieces to be a little more accessible to the um, viewer like we mentioned by using the oval frames on the walls.
0: Was it a challenge in terms of how you were spacing like yours in because it's not like yours is one section and then Mary Lynn's is another and Jones is another right they sort of go through and play a couple of yours and then a couple of hers was that.
1: Yes so mm. we met in the space and while we were there we laid out everyone's work on the table and had an opportunity to uh, decide what pieces had a relationship with one another and find a way to then group them on the walls and create a balance throughout the gallery space. So that's where uh, we've created kind of groupings among each other. And by using the three... Colors to identify who completed the work. It helps um, the viewer th- through the space. And the colors also create a harmonious palette. So, um, kind of drawing on that natural inspiration that each of us has in our work.
0: And so, then, yeah. And in terms of if someone's interested in seeing more about the work, it's all up on the Craft Council website, is that correct? It is, yes. And then for sale there as well or or at the gallery. Yes,
1: so the gallery actually uh, put together their online gallery and um, is exhibiting it that way as well for people who cannot make it into the space itself.
0: Which is great. And I think the photos of the jewelry translate well into that that space. It's nice to sort of see the transition. Mm Mm-hmm. For yourself, then, I guess I would just sort of say this is, I'm sure, been quite a large undertaking and yes. <laughs> time consuming as independent artist grants, you know, warrant. Uh, but what is starting to come up next for you? Are there future plans in terms of exhibitions or markets or even just the directions you're taking the work?
1: I'm actually quite excited with where my work has taken me as I've produced this body of work. Um, I have got ideas to continue to expand on uh, the pieces. So I, I guess I had kind of grouped the work into four sub series, exploring different sort of sources of inspiration. And so I'll continue to develop those and also the integration of the textile materials or threads, um, as a way to incorporate texture and color.
0: That sort of textile incorporation is that seems to be fairly unique, at least to my knowledge, through jewelry, or or is that something fairly common amongst jewelers, or are you sort of one of the few that? Is there are
1: that? other jewelers who explore that approach, um, but I guess it's not as common.
0: <laughs> sure. I know we're recording this after the recept- opening reception has been on, but as you mentioned, and we'll just repeat again for our listeners, this is on at the Craft Council. So they're open Mondays to Saturdays. Uh, their website will have hours in particulars, or their website will have the images as well. And this runs until January 7th. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So sometime over the holidays to see it, or just a little bit into the new year. But yeah, uh, this is, is this your first sort of gallery exhibition of this, Level in Saskatoon, then yourself, or it is. Okay. Yes, so it's a nice opportunity then to come out and see your work for those who might not otherwise be familiar.
1: So. Mm-hmm, yes, and I I hope to gradually work to, toward another exhibition, um, probably in a few years. <laughs>
0: it probably takes a little while to build that body of work, considering how small a scale you often work on in jewelry, right?
1: Yes, and that's why it's um, definitely worth seeing in person because. Each of us has invested a lot of um, time and detail into each piece.
0: That's great. Uh, We'll end on that note. Thanks again for joining me, Jenny.
1: Thank you so much for having me.
0: Again, I'm Michael. This has been Unframed, Conversations About the Arts on CFCR 90.5 FM. We've been talking about Triatica, a show featuring Jenny, Lynn Fife, as well as Mary Lynn Podoluck and Joan Thompson that's on at the Saskatchewan Craft Council Gallery until January 7th. And the exhibition was actually curated by one of Jenny and Mary Lynn's former professors at NASCAD, Tom Ferrero, who is also a metal artist as well as a painter. As always, a reminder, if you'd like to find out more about this show, we will post a link on our Facebook page and on Instagram. You can find us there. We're Unframed Radio. Or if you'd like to listen to this episode or any of our past episodes, you can find our podcast at unframedradio.com or on iTunes. Thank you and have a good evening.